prior to the pandemic, as leaders, we didn't really think about, talk about, and embrace emotional well-being and mental health as a business imperative. What people are surprised here is that one in four Americans suffer from a chronic digestive issue. Welcome to the Joy Powered Workspace podcast, where we help HR and business leaders embrace joy in the workplace. I'm Susan White, owner of Susan Tinder White Consulting, an HR consulting practice. Joining me is my dear friend and co-host, Jody Curtis, owner of Purple Inc. and Powered by Purple Inc., a professional network I'm part of. Today's topic is innovative benefit offerings. We haven't had an episode on employee benefits, Jody, since Paul Ashley of NFP joined us back in 2019 to discuss benefit trends. We thought it would be good to touch base with Paul now that we're three years later, to get an update on what he's seeing in the benefit marketplace. And then we're going to talk to Bill Snyder, the CEO of one of the companies offering what I think is a much needed and very innovative benefit. Many of our listeners are business leaders and HR professionals who, like us, want to keep abreast of new happenings in this front. If there are benefits available that may differentiate us as an employer, that just might enable us to attract the talent that we need. So I want to know about it. Yes, me too. So let's talk to Paul first. Paul is vice president and consultant at NFP, formerly known as First Person. He holds his CEBS, that's a Certified Employee Benefit Specialist designation. And he's also an adjunct professor in Butler University's Lacey College of Business, where he teaches an employee benefits and total rewards class to students in the Davy School of Risk Management. Paul, thank you so much for coming back to the Joy Powered Workspace podcast. Honored to be with you again. Since we were with you last on the Joy Powered Workspace back in 2019, what changes have you seen in how business leaders and HR professionals are viewing benefits that they're offering employees? Oh, 2019. Nothing's happened since then, my friend. <laughs> a very calm, peaceful. Uh, oh, yeah. Nothing, nothing in terms of... Uh, Virology has happened. There's been no political discord. Nothing. No. Nothing. For for me, the biggest one as it relates to kind of what the pandemic triggered, really, I guess, two big ones. And then there's some other ones that I think are happening now. One is that prior to the pandemic, back in 19, as leaders, we didn't really think about, talk about, and embrace emotional well-being and mental health as a business imperative. Now, there were pockets where that was untrue. Certainly some leaders were were out front. But I think now if you were to poll the same people we would have polled in 19 versus now in late 22, people are talking about it. They're wrestling with it. They're doing things that they've never done before or would have considered. And I'm that the pandemic's been awful. And that is that is a very important sea change that I will take as a silver lining. And so employers are investing uh, in employee assistance programs that are very robust, not just the free ones that come with their life insurance, right? They are bringing clinicians on site, mental health clinicians on site. They are upgrading benefits and access to benefits in ways that support emotional well-being and mental health than they never would have done in 19. And thank God we are because it's been long overdue. Amen. The second one I see is we were forced to embrace this in the height of the pandemic when the healthcare system was essentially shuttered for anything but emergency or pandemic care. And that is using virtual and telehealth as a way to access acute care, some specialist care, follow-up, and also 
bridging the urban-rural divide that we have historically seen in access to care, particularly mental health professionals, but really all, all clinicians. Often it would be that if you lived in a metro area, you would have plenty of clinicians to choose from, particularly in mental health psychiatrists, psychologists, licensed mental health counselors. If you lived in a rural area, good luck. Well, now with virtual and telehealth, most of those talk therapies and sessions can be done in the same way we're recording this podcast. And so that's bridge that divide um, using telehealth. Yeah, that makes sense. I love the telehealth. I mean, even just sometimes if I just need a quick question or uh, something that I don't really need to be in the office for, it is just so much easier, so much more convenient, so much time savings. And I feel like I get the same answers. Yeah, you do. And honestly, pre-pandemic, that technology was there and you had access to it. You know, it was being wildly underutilized. The The big thing that changed was, is the providers, it wasn't the specialty telehealth like Live Health Online or Teladoc, which are actual companies. What was that? What really shifted in 2020 is then the end user providers that you had a direct office relationship with, they then pivoted to allow telehealth and now they most of them have kept it as a choice. You can either come in office or and or we can do telehealth. Now, certain things, obviously, you physically have to be present. But follow-up care and ongoing care can just be done virtually, which is way more efficient for both the practice and the, the end-user patient, which, listen, efficiency is a good thing in the healthcare system. It drives out waste. Exactly. Well, and Paul, what are some of the more creative or innovative employee benefit offerings you're hearing about or working with? I'll list three. I'll list them all and then we can go back through them. Uh, the first one, which makes me sound really smart when I say it, and you you ladies know I'm not smart. It's all <laughs> it's all duct tape and, and bailing wire. Don't burst our bubble on that. We think you're very smart. Well, um, you're easy to fool. So the first one is called pharmacogenomics, pharmacogenomics. I'm gonna come back to that. Next one is this idea of gut health and gut science. And uh, there's a particular partner we've used NFP nationally called Vivante Health. And then the last one is a broad category called family support benefits. Let me start with pharmacogenomics. So what is pharmacogenomics? Now, as you know, I'm not a PharmD. I'm also not a scientist. But essentially, in layman's terms, what it is, is it use, it's using simple genetic testing like cheek swab for certain therapeutic classes of uh, phar- pharmaceuticals, primarily in the area of mental, mental health. So like depression, anxiety, meds, ADHD medications, and then also in pain management medications. Those are kind of the two most, uh, those aren't the only categories, but they're the, the categories where we see the most success in this. And what, it, what, what it's doing is it's using this cheek swab to then run a pharmacogenomics test to then tell the prescriber and the, the care team, here is the green, yellow, red within these therapeutic classes. Let's take pain management as an example, that, that because of this person's genetic makeup and biology, they're going to respond great, okay, or terribly to these medications. So really helpful in pain pain management. But if you think about it, if, if you've ever had a personal experience or have a loved one, a lot of times with depression or anxiety medications, it's sort of, you know, try, does it work? Try another, try, does it work? Try another. And it can take weeks, maybe months to see if it actually works. And then you have to start over. 
With pharmacogenomics, it gives the prescriber a head start of what to avoid and what to focus on. And so those tests are fairly inexpensive. We see a lot of employers starting to pay for those because it shortcuts and brings people to a better clinical outcome at a quicker pace. And that's, again, more efficient. So that's pharmacogenomics. I'm not going to ask you to spell it, Paul. You don't, <laughs> I, you know, don't even bother. Uh, yeah, close enough. Close enough. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a pretty cool field. It's it's definitely a Googleable term. If you can phonetically spell it, it'll open up a bunch of research for folks. Um, and it's it's pretty cool to see. A lot of times it's being offered by self-funded uh self-funded health plans through their pharmacy benefit manager, right? The PBM does this because it's part of them trying to help people get to the right drugs at the right time at the right price uh, that are effective and efficient. So we see it there. The other one is gut science, right? So this idea that your um, the biome that's in living inside our stomachs and our intestines, which sounds gross, but it's, it's a kind of a big organism. It's almost like it's its own organ. And there's been a lot of research connecting um, gut health with overall physical health, but gut health specifically with brain health, right? There's sort of a, as I understand it, and again, not a clinician, there's sort of this vagus nerve that exists that connect the two. And it's all, I think researchers are still trying to figure out all that there is to unlock there. But if we can help help people have healthier guts, and I don't mean just be thin, that's not what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, that might be a byproduct, but darn it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah, like let's take that, right? But if 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 what's happening with their you know, probiotics and 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 what's happening inside the gut that is healthy, it helps with immune system and brain health and other disease states. Well, some of this can be tested and then they can be given different clinical supports that improve that state of gut health and help to avoid conditions and help to improve mental health. And it's like, well, this is like this, this feels space age, but it's what's now emerging. And so there's a co- there's a company out there called Vivante Health that NFP has partnered with at the national level. And we actually, this is very interesting. We just went through some of our data analytics. So our larger self-funded customers, they've got their data in Springbuck. So we were able to go through de-identified and look at all of our self-funded customers and see what is the opportunity potentially in this gut health space specifically for Vivante Health. So in 2023, we're actually going to go deeper into that data, bring it forward to our clients and talk to them about Hey, this might sound crazy, but do you want to explore this? Do you philosophically believe in this? Here's the science. Obviously, I won't be talking. We'll actually bring a clinician in that knows what the heck they're talking about. And do you want to start to do some pilot programs or invest in this as a way to improve the well-being of your population? And we'll see what happens. Could be interesting. That is terrific. We're going to have Bill Snyder, the CEO of Avanti, on this episode as well. So that'll be fun. Well, if I said anything that's different than what Bill said, cancel what I said and what Bill has to say. He probably knows what he's talking about. Yeah, oh, you got it. And then the third one. The, the third one is family support benefits. So I think historically where people have focused on this is um, uh, employers helping their employees who are experiencing infertility with fertility. And that, that is still a big deal. And why is it a big deal? Well, uh, generally speaking, female workers are waiting later in life to get married and or get pregnant. And as we wait later in life, we tend to have more infertility issues than if we didn't prior, right? That's just kind of human biology. Um, So that demand has increased. But at the same time, we're seeing uh, people want to grow their families in new ways. We're seeing adoption. We're seeing fostering. We're seeing surrogacy. You know, as we now have uh, equality in marriage, 
you're seeing uh, a male employee have a husband and they want to grow their family. Well, how can they do that? They're going to maybe pursue adoption or surrogacy. We also see people that have nothing to do with growing families, but keeping their families healthy. How do we do caregiver support, either for children or adults that they're caring for? How do we help families deal with end of life needs, right? So this kind of family support services or benefits is this large umbrella that you can go in any direction you want. But at the core of it is how do we take care of the employee and however they define and see family and how do we keep that either growing or be as healthy and productive as possible? Because we know if things are right at home, it's easier for them to be right at work. If things are not right at home, it makes it very difficult to be productive at work. Right. And it clearly goes back to mental health that we talked about at the beginning as well. And so I think that we are seeing huge emergence of all these different family health benefits. So care.com, right? You probably know it as a consumer. There's now care.com for employers. There is a company called Kindbody. They do this family growth benefit where it could be fertility treatment, surrogacy, adoption support. Uh, doesn't matter how you want to grow their family. They don't ask too many questions other than how can we help? And these are things that employers are sponsoring to help their employees improve their benefits. Yeah, I like it. I just had lunch with a COO of one of our clients yesterday who has 85-year-old parents and her dad is very ill. But she said, if something were to happen to my mom, I would just quit my job like that. There wasn't another option for her. Or, I mean, she didn't view it as having another option for her. And I just thought, wow, we've got to think about the whole family as, as part of our benefit offering, or we're not going to be able to retain talent. I think you're exactly right. Think about, I hate to take you back, but go back to March of 2020 and think about all of your peers, colleagues, friends, neighbors, and think about the metadata that came from no more in the no other time in US history have more women left the workplace than left in 2020 right right so it's it's not so far if you know that happened in an acute situation it then makes it a pretty easy leap to think about what your 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 client said about what she would choose to do sort of automatically because we saw it happen in, in a macro sense and i think let me unpack that just from my personal perspective I know that when I'm part of a volunteer organization, team at work, you know, whatever it is, when it's egalitarian and there are both men and women in leadership, the performance of that team is always going to be higher when women and men are both involved because we have different life experiences, different viewpoints. Well, if women have left the workplace in droves in 2020, which they did, and they haven't come back as fast as we've hoped, which they haven't then the quality of the output of these teams are lower because women are not present as much as they used to be. That is a bottom line business problem, right? So I want to work at a place. I want my clients to have the kind of place where both women and men and all other senses of diversity can feel that they belong. And these family support benefits tend to because of the structures we have set up in our society, not exclusively, but tend to benefit women staying more in the workforce than they would if, if these weren't in place. And it's a bottom line business imperative. Right. Yeah, that's right. So, Paul, we did an episode um, last year about sabbaticals that was really popular with our listeners. Are you seeing that paid or unpaid sabbaticals are becoming more normalized outside of academia? 
Yeah, it's, it's a great point. Academia and uh, faith-based organizations are where they got their birthplace, right? And I have seen uh, in the last 18 months, I have seen more of my for-profit or non-profit, non-academic, non-faith-based clients either talk about it, so they're they're wrestling with it, or start to now implement it, right? And these are these are in professional service firms like CPA, law, engineering, architecture, places where you think, boy, this would never happen, and they're piloting it right now with their with their partners, right? Because they, not that they're more important, but they take on more stress and have less to give. Uh, when they're in that sort of uh, in that part of their career. And I think the initial reaction that they get as they debate this is, well, my, if I leave as a partner for four weeks, six weeks and have no con- no contact, which is the intent of a sabbatical, like cut off contact on purpose, what would happen? Well, wait a second. This doesn't come out of the blue. You don't just stop coming for six weeks. You plan for it months, if not a year in advance. You equip your team that's already there you get a fellow partner to be a partner in charge. By the way, it's great for future succession planning because now you're going to have, in an accounting firm sense, you're going to have a manager and a director that have to step up and fill the void. Oh, that's actually great. That's a good thing. That shows strength. That creates depth of bench. And so it actually has a great and unintended intended outcome, uh, which is strengthening the bench. And then the partner comes back refreshed, ready to go. And that team is now more powerful than when he or she left them. That's a good thing. And by the way, the other thing that partners get afraid of is, well, what are my clients going to think? You know what? If you've actually built great clients, which most of you have, they're going to be so darn excited for you and celebrate it because you're going to set them up with a partner they can go to and other people on the team that are going to step up. They're going to be happy for you. Right. They're like, yeah, you're right. They will be, won't they? Yeah. And if they're not, they're probably not a good client. You need to get rid of them anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and Paul, what what should employers consider when they are assembling or refreshing their benefit offerings? Well, I think that no matter what you choose to do, the thing that employers tend to do poorly, even if it's none of these more creative benefits we've talked about, I think the mistake employers make is not having a really solid internal marketing and communication plan. How are we going to roll this out? How are we going to keep dripping this information so that the right employee or dependent knows that this exists for them at the right time? And that's been a historical challenge for employers. They can make great boardroom decisions on what we're doing and not doing, but then they tend to fall flat on their face when it comes to the internal rollout. And so no matter what you decide from the basics, blocking and tackling, all the way to creative benefits and every point in between, You've got to have a thoughtful internal branding communication rollout campaign so that you and your employees get the value for what you're investing in. Nice. Yeah, makes sense. So, Paul, you know, we like to close out our guest visits with asking a joy-powered question. What about your work brings you joy? Somebody asked me a very similar question to this yesterday. And the answer that I came up with then is the one I'm going to stick with today, which is I really enjoy the opportunity to meet new people that I've never met before and be curious about who they are, what makes them tick, what makes their business tick, why they form their business, what they're trying to accomplish. And I like the freshness of new people. A lot of the solutions I get to do kind of repeat themselves, right? Because if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. However, I, I enjoy the process of being curious about new people, who they are in their business. And I get to do that 
I usually meet at least one new person a week in what I'm doing and just get to be curious. And that's, that brings me great joy. Well, you're very good at doing that too, Paul. I've seen you in action. Uh, thanks, Jody. How can our listeners reach out to you if they have more questions about benefits or email um, that ever ubiquitous? So it's paul.ashley, which is spelled A S H L E Y. So paul.ashley at nfp.com. And NFP does not stand for anything, but it's like as in Nancy Frank Paul at, at nfp.com. So yeah, that's that's the way to find me. And NFP is a global company with about 8,000 professionals. Our office uh, that that we are a part of is the Indianapolis office. And we stay concentrated uh, primarily in the Midwest, but have clients everywhere. So happy to help folks if they need it. Thank you so much, Paul. We're so glad that you're here. Now, a word from our sponsors. As our listeners have probably heard many times, I'm a Clifton Strengths enthusiast, and I know you're a fan of Strengths also, Susan. That's right. I know you've been working on a Strengths certification program with some of our friends at Powered by Purple Inc. Jody, why don't you tell our listeners a little about the program? Yes, I'd love to because I'm so excited about this program. It's called Power Up Your Strengths. And it was designed to help people become better equipped to bring out the talents of others. Inspired by the Clifton Strengths Assessment, you'll finish the program ready to help people do what they do best, and you'll enjoy doing it yourself. It sounds like a wonderful program, and the participants will benefit from the guidance of several strength experts, Jody and her partners. Jody, how is Power Up Your Strengths formatted and where will it be located? Well, it's 100% virtual, so anyone can join us from anywhere. We'll have some live sessions over Zoom and in between the sessions, there will be some pre-work and practice for participants to complete through our online platform. It will be packed with information and experiences you'll need to be a strengths champion trainer, or coach. If you'd like to learn more about Power Up Your Strengths, visit Powered by Purple Inc. with a K dot com slash strengths. Our second guest today is actually the CEO of Vivante Health that Paul mentioned. Vivante Health is a digital healthcare company that is reinventing the way digestive conditions are managed. Vivante's innovative employee benefit offering is an all-in-one gut health program. GI Thrive empowers people to improve digestive health through easy-to-use technology, advanced science, and on-demand human support, while also lowering the cost of their care. I know, Jody, this topic is one that some people can feel is a little uncomfortable about, but I think it's really important. So let's hear from Bill, his thoughts on this. Bill, we are so happy that you're here. Could you tell us a little bit about prevalent digestive health issues that are in the U.S. today and why you call it a whisper topic. Yeah. Um, well, Susan and Jody, thanks so much for having me on today. I'm really excited to talk a little bit about digestive health. I think people are often surprised when they find out just how prevalent these conditions are. And when we're talking about digestive health, we're talking about a whole host of conditions and symptoms. So we're talking about things like ulcerative colitis, Crohn's disease, irritable bowel syndrome, GERD, and a number of other conditions and their related symptoms. And what people are surprised here is that one in four Americans suffer from a chronic digestive issue. Wow. 
And the reason that we do talk about a whisper issue is there's unfortunately a lot of stigma associated with these conditions and symptoms. It's not always easy to talk about what's going on in the bathroom. So what we find is in addition to people who are suffering from these physical symptoms, there's oftentimes a feeling of uh, isolation along with it as well, because it's difficult to talk about. So sometimes that leads to people um, either avoiding care, putting it off, and, and just having a, a very isolated experience. So we're we're looking to improve that and to help those individuals. I love it. I am surprised at those statistics, though. I had no idea that many people. Yeah, and it's um, it's something that I think is is gaining more traction. People are talking about it more and more, and recognizing how many people it, it does impact and the significance of the day to day impact that it can have on people's lives. Right. Well, how did these digestive issues affect employee productivity and absenteeism? They have a, a really big impact, and as you can imagine, when you think about kind of the day-to-day experience of living with these symptoms and conditions, you know, imagine an individual who every day when they show up at work has to think about proximity to the bathroom and has to think about timing meetings so that they can have access to the bathroom. And that's really, really difficult. I mean, we have stories of individuals that we work with that would leave the office because they were so self-conscious about utilizing the office bathroom. And so you just think about the mindset and the the pressure that that puts on people. And so we know that there's a huge impact on both presenteeism and absenteeism and just on the the day-to-day life of individuals who are suffering from these symptoms and conditions. Yeah. You know, I think hopefully they've come a long way, but I had a friend probably 20 years ago who was diagnosed with Crohn's. And of course, she'd been struggling for a while, but when she got the diagnosis of Crohn's, she was a school teacher and she just immediately quit her job because she said, I can't, she was elementary school and she said, I can't leave my classroom. And that was it. There was no discussion, thought. She just immediately quit. You know, it's it's those stories that unfortunately we hear day in, day out, the people experiencing a similar uh, impact on their lives, on their livelihood. And, you know, we we think about it in terms of the workforce and then you think about it in terms of just your life, you know, being out with, you know, if you're trying to go to the park with your kids, but you're fearful of how long you can spend with them out of your home. uh, You know, we, we, we hear just day in, day out of people looking for solutions and looking for help to alleviate these symptoms so that they can live their lives. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about how these issues affect employer medical costs? Yeah, absolutely. So digestive conditions and their symptoms are definitely a big driver in terms of spend for employer costs. So on average, uh, an individual with uh, chronic digestive conditions spends over $17,000 in terms of medical and pharmacy cost per year. And then on individual cases, it can be much, much higher. We also know that uh, studies done by the CDC and the National Institute on Health have shown things like digestive health as being a leading cause for emergency room admits. So these digestive conditions are often associated with abdominal pain. And so undiagnosed abdominal pain, many people end up in the emergency room because they're not quite sure where they need to go, what they need to do. So it's definitely a major cost driver. And I think that there's great innovations and great work being done to try and mitigate some of those costs. But today, we're definitely seeing it fuel a number of medical and and pharmacy costs as well. So what can companies do to help these employees improve their digestive health? 
you know, for us at Vivante, you know, what we focus on is technology and uh, remote care teams that can really help support better digestive health through things like medical nutritional therapy, utilizing technology and novel biomarkers to personalize the health plan experience, because we're all so different, right? Not only by condition or symptom, but the way that we live our lives, you know, what we want to be doing day in, day out. So I think what technology allows us to do is personalize that experience and, and bring it into the hands of the member, meet them where they are. And then I think offering other solutions like uh, like cognitive behavioral therapy, you know, it's really well documented that there's a significant gut-brain connection. So your digestive health and your mental health are very highly correlated. And so there's a lot of tools that can be offered to individuals to really meet them where they are uh, and personalize the experience to reduce their symptoms and get them feeling better. Nice. Bill, for the companies that you're working with or similar companies like yourself that are working with, how do they incorporate digestive health into their company's benefit offerings? For what we've done at Bavante, you know, we've built our solution to integrate well into the benefits ecosystem. And so we get our solution to members through employers and through health plans. And so currently, one of the things that we've made sure of is that we are not a siloed solution but that we can do some cross collaboration between other solutions and between other members of the care team, because we wanna make sure we're exchanging information and getting data back and forth to providers if they're working with a clinician or to, to, to other point solutions if they have other conditions. So I think for, uh, in, in Vivante's case, you know, we're, we're always looking to work with new employers, work with brokers and consultants and with health plans to help make sure that we're providing this service to individuals in need. So I think for, for HR leaders, I always say, I feel like HR leaders have so much on their plate. They they are oftentimes a team of one, or even if they do have a team, they're working through everything. You know, everything seems to land on on their table, on their plate. So what we what we certainly try and do is make it as easy as possible to do things like integrate into their health plan, bill through claims, so it's not a increase in admin fee. Make sure that we're doing things like going at fees at risk, 100% for financial returns, so that they're not having to make a difficult decision on a solution that they know provides value to their members, but you know they don't want to incur additional cost. So I think it's those key things is making it as easy as possible for the HR leaders because they just have have so much on their plate today. So just to dig into that a little bit more, so. Where a lot of people in Indiana are on Anthem insurance. So you might, if we had a have a plan with Anthem, then that just might be embedded into the plan. Yeah, Jody, it's a it's a great question. So that's certainly the the intent. And, and we're working with some of the major plans today where we're embedded and then the employers can say, hey, because I'm working with one plan or the other, I may have this Vivante offering as, as part of that plan. And it will vary depending on the funding and the state, but you're exactly right. Uh, for, for HR leaders, what we're working to do is get embedded in that plan so that it's, it, it's easy for, for the HR leaders to then give that solution to their members. Nice. You know, Bill, we're the Joy Powered Podcast, so we always like to ask a question about joy at work. What's one small step or change you made during your career that boosted your joy at work? Yeah, so uh, Jody and Susan, I think this is why your podcast is so exciting to do because it's about joy and what's what's better to talk about than joy. And so I think for me, it's really about empowering my team. 
I'm a big believer in culture being driven by the entire company and organization. And so um, by committing to, hey, we we do want to have a, a fun culture that is built around supporting people, helping the members we serve and supporting each other. I think that allows people to really engage in building the culture. And as an example, our care team came up with an idea that's called Spark Joy. I like it. I thought you both would. Where we're there thinking about how do we spark joy in someone's life every day? And so, and there's all different ways that they'll do that. Some some of it is, you know, we'll put money as a company if someone needs a, it can be a little thing, right? It can be a, a little gift card for achieving a milestone in, in the person's mission to improve their digestive symptom. So there's all these different examples. It could be a handwritten letter from a care team member to uh, to somebody who's going through something. And that can be internal across teams or to the members we serve. But again, this is not a Bill Snyder idea. This is an idea driven by our team because they're the ones that come up with the most amazing and incredible ideas every day. It's a great idea. Yeah, I love it. I do too. So Bill, how can our listeners contact you or Vivanti Health if they're interested in learning more? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so they can go to our website, which is www.vivantehealth.com. And then uh, they can also absolutely reach out to me. Uh, and so my email address is bsnyder, B-S-N-Y-D-E-R at vivantehealth.com. Uh, and we would love to connect with any listeners about the work we're doing in the digestive health space. Oh, that's wonderful. And we're going to put this information in our show notes. But if we have a listener who can't wait to look, I want to make sure I spell Vivante for you. It's V-I-V-A-N-T-E, Vivante Health. That's exactly right. You got it, Susan. All right. Thank you so much, Bill. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Thank you both. Really appreciate you having me. I'm so interested in all of this. So good for you. Thank you both. It was a, it was a joy being here. So I appreciate the time. Jody, I found both Paul and Bill so interesting. Um, I think they kind of opened up my eyes about how focused employee benefits are becoming around the health of their employees. Companies really care about the mental health, the physical health, the ongoing sustaining health, while they're figuring out how do they be more efficient and cost-effective at doing it. Yeah. And I just had heard, I've never heard of this research being done or this new offering to look into people's genes and see about their treatment. I'm fascinated by that. And I'm also fascinated, even though, you know, I mentioned I had a friend a long time ago, but I know several people who have some pretty major digestive issues. And yet to hear that a company is just solely focused on that. I'm amazed by that and I love it. Me too. I think it could help a lot of our employees. And I think about the people who miss work or even if they're at work, they're uncomfortable because of their digestive issues. Man, if there's you know resources out there that can help them, I'm all for it. So I think it's a great benefit offering as are the other things that we've been talking about today. Yeah. Susan, this question came to us from a listener of our August... 2022 podcast. They said, what are some example suggestions a person could take to their boss or HR to find a way to overcome burnout while continuing to work? Mm, I love this question, Jody. It's kind of the opposite of quiet quitting. It's loud, re-engaging ideas, right? 
if you're feeling burnt out and you want, for a lot of reasons, you may want to stay at the employer you're at and voting with your feet to leave just isn't viable for you. So I think I would really first start with talking to my manager. I would want to plan out a conversation with him or her and talk through the points I want to make in this meeting. And I think I'd probably start with, I really want to be here for the long term and and let them know. I mean, I'd start with, thank you for hiring me. Thank you for putting me in this role. I love it here. I want to build a future because what you do there is you, I think, take away the fear like she's here to quit (laughs) or uh, she's starting to disengage on me. No, I let's put it on the table. I really want to be here. I think I would talk about the value I bring. I believe that I'm doing a good job and on the work that's assigned to me, but it's not energizing me. And I know those those words can feel emotional, but you're feeling emotional. And I, I've confirmed in their minds that I'm in the right place and that they've got somebody who's a good performer, but I'm not being energized or feeding my passion or keeping me as engaged as I want to be, whatever words I think works for you. And then I'd say, I would love to explore with you ways to use my strengths here more. Using my strengths and doing what I enjoy could be a real win-win for this company. Um, the path that I'm on in this, the role I'm in um, is that I'm going to get the work done and the commitments delivered, but I don't think it's sustainable given the, my level of satisfaction. I've, gosh, as an employer, I would love the employee coming to me early into this before they've burnt out, right? Right. So many times people just get frustrated, they get burnout and they just quit. And maybe they've even already found a new job. So thing is not an option, but if, and I've done that myself before too. I've I've quit roles where I didn't go to my manager or leader and say, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm ready for something new here. What a disappointment that I'm sure when they, after all they invested in you that you left. And I think that's what most of us do. So having this kind of put it on the table discussion. And after you've, you know, you've said that it's not sustainable. I, I know that if I don't start using my strengths more or make change, I'm not going to be here for the long term. And that's not what I, what either one of us want. Let's talk about options. And then I, the options, I would come in there uh, with some, some plans. You know, what could we change about the role I'm in? Uh, what cannot change about the role I have? Is there other people who maybe this is their time to learn these things that I could help transition work? And then I'd ask them, you know, where do you see my next move? And what could we do to accelerate maybe the timing on that? I think it's worth the risk. I honestly do. Listener, I hope that that's of some help to you. Yeah, great advice. In the news, preply.com noted in an article dated August 20th, 2022, that they had surveyed 1,500 Americans to find out which cities swear the most (laughs) (laughs) and in which social situations do Americans swear. So here are some of the key findings. Let's share them. The first one is, where are the most common places that Americans use foul language? 69% said they use it at work. Oh, I know. I know. 67% said they curse in front of strangers. And 63% said, at the dinner table. Maybe they don't like what was cooked. I don't know. I guess. And another question asks, what cities have the highest number of workplace swears? So the first one was Philadelphia. The second one, Columbus, Ohio. And the third one was Detroit. 
54% of people swear to themselves. Okay. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, Jody. Sometimes a word slips out here or there, but I'm really trying to keep it, you know, just with me. Yes, me too. 4% of Americans have admitted to swearing at a coworker. I was surprised with if 69% of people say they swear at work, only 4% of these 1,500 say they actually swear at a coworker. Yeah. 57% of Americans use swear substitutions like fudge sickle or holy smokes in front of kids or at work. I hear sugar a lot. Uh, People say, oh, sugar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gen Z swears an average of 24 times per day compared to baby boomers swearing 10 times per day. Oh, I hate to hear that because I think when you get in the habit of using swear words a lot, like if that's coming up from the younger generations, it's probably going to be much more prevalent. Yes. As business leaders and HR professionals, I think we decide what's acceptable in our workplace and what's not. Whether swearing is taboo or not at your place of employment is going to depend on your culture. What sword do you want to fall on and where do you want to draw boundaries? For me, I personally work hard not to swear because for me, it surfaces just bad energy. Although I admit that there have been moments of high emotion that a few choice words have slipped out. I think I have a pretty high tolerance for what others choose to say, as long as it isn't directed at another person or me or the remarks that could potentially create a hostile work environment by the nature of what's said. Jody, how about you? I would say I rarely, very rarely swear. And most of the times if I do, when I do, I try to keep it to myself or use it when no one else is around. But I would say I have a pretty low tolerance for it at work. And I tell you, I was in a client's office yesterday and their nameplate on their desk had like, let's say their name was Susie Smith. They had Susie Effin Smith. <laughs> I was like, what? My gosh. Like that it was a pretty large name tag or nameplate. So I saw it immediately and then I couldn't get that out of my head <laughs> the whole time I was with them. And so I don't know, maybe I'm a prude about that, but I don't like it. Okay. Yeah. I, it doesn't really phase me as long as I don't see it being directed to someone else. But you know what? You've got to be sensitive to your culture. And I hope that people really stop. And if there's stuff that's making people uncomfortable, that they're addressing it. Right. Well, thanks for joining us and tune in next time and make it a joy-powered day. Thank you. If you would like SHRM recertification credit for listening to this podcast, please visit getjoypowered.com slash SHRM. You'll find an evaluation of the podcast, and once you complete the evaluation, you will see the SHRM recertification credit code and a link to a proof of participation certificate. Again, that's getjoypowered.com slash SHRM. Thank you for listening, and thanks for your dedication to the HR profession. If you liked the show, please tell your friends about it and let us know what you think by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. You can learn more about Joy Powered at getjoypowered.com. Check out the Joy Powered shop where you can order our books, journals, and other items that power our joy. 
at getjoypowered.com slash shop. We're at Joy Powered on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can email us at joypowered at gmail.com. We hope you tune in next time. Make it a Joy Powered day.